anywhere but Thank the you for seat. that smattering of applause. Uh, I appreciate it. It's hard to compete with like three nights of Drawbreaker shows a few weeks ago, but he's here, so that's pretty awesome. I think he's watching right now. Um, hey, welcome to Going Off Tracks, 300th podcast episode. Uh, how many of you have seen our live shows before by a show of hands? Awesome, great, thanks. Put your hands down, save your strength. Um, <laughs> to my immediate right, I have to welcome, I'm Steven. My immediate right, please welcome uh, Benny Horowitz. Uh, you might know him from uh, Gaslight Anthem or for the more hardcore among you, the low end theory. Ooh, deep cut. Deep cut. <laughs> uh, to my far right, uh, Mr. Brad Goop from the Goops. Uh, renowned producer. Actually, Brad is good at everything. If we screw up anything, we ask Brad to fix it down to like a Facebook post because we're all fairly incompetent. But the Richard Dreyfus mustache is looking a little thin. Yeah, you got to thicken that thin. up. That's pretty Does good. Does renowned mean no credits? What do you say? Does renowned mean no credits? Yes, renowned means no credits. Yeah, Brad. That's def- it I'm all. totally renowned. No, you're on the Mallrat soundtrack. You're awesome. Uh, Wait, that's real? That is real. Yeah, Brad, you're in the Mallrat soundtrack? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the last thing I did. <laughs> uh, to his immediate left, the heart and soul of the podcast, uh, Mr. Jonah Bayer. Uh, music oh, journalist you. extraordinaire. Uh, all his Instagram followers are here. Thank you for being here. Uh, he's in United Nations, uh, also known as my daughter Kate's favorite band. That's she's, true. She's turning seven in a week. So that's impressive. Already pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, again, 300th episode. We started this about, what, six, seven years ago? I think six years ago. Yeah. Six, six or seven, maybe. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's, it's bonkers, and here we are. 2012. 2012? Yeah. Uh, they were simpler times. Early. They were better Early times. Weren't they? <laughs> Back at Rubber Tracks, where uh, Brad worked at um, a recording studio owned by Converse. So part of the reason we would get so many awesome guests is we would say, would you like free shoes? <laughs> and part of the reason we're all still wearing free Converse. <laughs> and we're all <laughs> still yeah. wearing free Converse. These are docs. Yeah. That's you went around for that part. What other podcasts are you doing, man? The Doc Martin podcast? <laughs> Anything that gives me free shoes, man. You guys, you guys got beat. Yeah. <laughs> We got true, a lot of free programming. You it's, actually didn't take the. You didn't. You never took the Converse. No, I didn't. I. I mean, I, I'm in, embarrassed to admit it. Why? But I have weird feet. <laughs> yeah, like the second toe on each of my foot is a hammer toe. What does that and mean? then the little toe, they're like locked like this. Anyone have hammer toes? Cool. And then Thank the, you. the last one on each side kind of tucks under. So it's created a bit of a foot problem for me now that I'm old. And I go to a podiatrist named Dr. Cho. Oh, okay. Toe. Good, good His plug. name is literally Dr. Toe. Oh, Dr. Toe. And I, I, trade him, I trade him Nets tickets to shave off my calluses on the bottoms of my feet. I can't think the of a better... Are, they're not good for that. They're flat. They got these, like, solid bases. They just hurt your feet. They're not good for your feet. So every, like, old skateboarder still trying to look cool is just going to be, like, limping around at, like, 50. I can't so, think of a better opener for this just, podcast than your callus is getting shaved off. I knew all about this. Me and Benny have talked about this yeah. before. You've talked sure. about this? Yes. Oh, this is not a secret. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought everyone knew about it. I like this. limp around my house. I have house slippers because of this. Really? Yeah. Home slippers. <laughs> I know. I'm just teaching my kid to bring them to me now. Oh, that's good. That's smart. Yeah, that's the next step. It's really weird hearing my voice like this. Yeah, I think we should... So Benny said he was nervous before we yeah. came out. Benny, who's played in front of... Bigger crowds than any of us have even... <laughs> yeah, I'm quite exposed. So let's work through this. All right, let's so the thing I'm nervous about, even right now, I'm like kind of like, 
what do you do with your body? You know? Like that scene in Talladega Nights. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> like, what do you do with your hands? I don't know really what to do. And then I hear my voice, and I'm like, wow, that's weird. You know? Because so I'm not used to so you don't listen to the podcast after you record it? <laughs> Very rarely, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so this is strange for me. So, thanks. Do you want us to put some drums around you? It would, would make that me feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't have a battle plan set up. Like, ever since Dimebag Darrell got killed, like, I've always had this, like, thing in place in my head if someone jumped up here trying to fuck me up, you know? And, like... That's a rough for- segue, dude. Wait, wait. <laughs> Yo, it's just getting real, man. I know. You might as well just... Well, the so what's Let's your, just get real. Okay. These people came out, you know? I'm not yeah. going to lie. What's your normal plan? Like if you're on well, stage with it, Gaslight. It, <laughs> it's a stick plan. Okay. So if I see someone, it's a left stab and a right bop and then run. That's my plan. That, I mean, that's the extent of it. <laughs> but I'm armed with nothing here. I'm even afraid to bring my pocket knife on the train these days. Yeah. There's all those cops around, you know? And you're the first one they're going to go after. Maybe. I would go after me if I saw me on the train, all dull-eyed and <laughs> listening to some shit. Like, no, listen well, you to can Black do a, Breath. You can do a good out. bop with an SM58. Yeah? Just hold it down low. I don't know. And even I thought my hair was going to be crazy. I put coconut oil in my hair. Ah, you're the one that smelled good backstage. My wife made me change. <laughs> what what did you have on before? What was the I pre-show had like wardrobe? A, I had like a gray pullover sweatshirt. Like a white under. I thought it was like pretty cool. Okay. And she, we, I was FaceTiming with her and my kid. And she's like, nah, you should like, you should change. You should wear like a button up. And then I show up and see that we all wore like the white dudes who don't dress up trying to dress up outfit. Which is like we still wore our jeans, but put on like the one shirt we have on a hanger. It really happened. But usually that <laughs> shirt for me is weird. this shirt. Huh? I have almost the same one that's usually yeah. what I wear. I'm just, I'm wildly <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks for wearing something cool and different. Nah, they, Are these corduroy? Yeah, they're corduroy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's cold out. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I tried to wear what my wife chooses for me, and I always end up wearing a T-shirt and bumming her out. So this is... Well, I did run into your wife earlier, and she was wearing a Eagles won the Super Bowl hat. Yeah, <laughs> so I was she's, like, she's from right. Philly. Yeah, so step... Has she taken it oh, off? Wait, that's not good? No. Sorry. But I was making a joke that Brooklyn is so gentrified now that she probably won't take any shit for it. <laughs> you know? So there's all these Eagles fans here now. There okay. didn't used to be. Yeah, it's a bold move. It's a bold statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shall we bring out Laura? Yeah. Let's do it. I think we have to. I don't know where she is, but please welcome our first guest. She's been on the podcast a number of times. She's going to be performing for you guys later. Uh, we adore her. We know you will, too. Please welcome Laura Stevenson. Hey, Laura. Hi, Laura. Oh, hi. So we, we got over all that stuff I was talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was over there listening. Yeah. You. You, what, you told her about how you were all nervous? <laughs> yeah, she was helping me out. She's a pro. Seasoned okay. pro, you know? Yes. She gets in front of Thank humans you. all the time. Yeah. Thanks so much. That's Brad's thing. <laughs> I want, a, I want a reason you. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel more comfortable now? Oh, like you got a drink? That's you could do that with I'm your hands. I'm mixing Jameson and coffee. That's yeah. not going to help. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's it can, a speedball. It can only. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Irish speedball. That's where, like, I wish I could just do a J bone up here right yeah. now. If that we could help. just pass something around. That would make it worse for me. I would be you not do good. Well? No, I uh, would not re- at all. react well to the T, the H, and C? No. 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 I used to love it as a teenager. Now it just makes me feel like I'm going to die. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever robo-tripped? Oh, on Robitussin, no. Yeah. No. no. I think I drama meaned by accident. Wait, what? Because you can, you can if, you, if you resist drama mean, if you take too much of it, it's, I think, a similar thing. Really? Or just it induces panic. I don't really know. I can't tell the difference between tripping and panic attack. It's been what I keep thinking about when people are like, am I going to let a bunch of kids who eat Tide Pods tell me about guns? I'm like, motherfucker, like, the drugs every generation did that were so crazy. I was, like, licking glue sticks. I was, like, yeah, robo-tripping. We thought we could get drunk off, like, breath spray. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all sorts, like, I'm like, Tide pot, sure. Yeah, let's try it. Like, it sounds totally normal to me. I don't, still don't understand the Tide Pod thing. It doesn't even get you high, which it does, doesn't. Yeah, no. Okay, it's just like my body can tolerate this. Got it's it. Like the only thing about oh, it. Oh, like eating okay. soap. You know, this is a thing. Oh, you know, you haven't seen. I this? heard it. I heard it was all bullshit. Oh no, it's real. Kids are eating them. I mean, I don't know how many. No, they're not. It's probably like two, and then the you know media just no. jumped on it. Have you tried it? No, I'm not going to do it. Legal. Time. I'm too old now. <laughs> what about like a dishwasher? That's what I'm thinking. Why not Cascade Pods? Why does Tide yeah. get to corner the fucking market? Because that's okay to use point. on things you eat off of, so it might be safer. That's yeah. true. Yeah, wait. That's a good point. Yeah. You're not yeah. supposed to eat off your clothes. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Mm. Even though I do, if I spill something, I will. Mm, exactly. So you were painting yeah. all day? I was, yes. In your house? Yes, I'm painting a ceiling very slowly. And we Like a mural or just... No, but I was thinking about uh, because I've it's taken me two days because I have a four inch roller. Is this boring? (laughs) So like, also I've injured this hand, so I can't use the stick. So I I have a sagittal bend injury, which is like what's that mean? Basically, like it's the thing that like lets your finger go like this. So as a guitar player, like being able to do that is. Pretty important. Kind of big. So, crucial. so we said, hey, why not play? <laughs> yeah, I'll play, but I will only paint with this hand. So ah. I've, I've been like on a chair doing like, it's also like um, acoustic tiles. Is this boring? I can't tell. <laughs> no, keep it going. I, this is going to stop in the middle of it and find out. Um, it's acoustic tiles. So each acoustic tile takes me like mm, 30 seconds. Who, are you building a studio? No, it's just a, 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 there are acoustic tiles. I don't know. You what know how people put them up and then they look bad and then you just paint over them and it's, does anybody else know? I don't no. even know what you're talking about. They're like the yeah. tiles, like the little, like they're like flimsy, like styrofoam. Or like in any contractors here? Yeah, like in a school or like uh, in church. Like, like if tiles. you're in like a modern church, you know, and they're just kind of like they look like shit. I don't know if it's asbestos. I've been breathing it in all day though. So. Probably is. <laughs> they might Let's not. Let's hope not. Might yeah. not even be <laughs> uh, well, I, have a, I have a question for you. When is the uh, uh, Chris Farron, Jeff Rosenstock, Laura Stevenson supergroup happening with Benny on drums? Oh, whenever you're available. Yo, I'm game. I'm available. Yeah? Yeah, I'm not doing anything. Oh, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> more of a fight for it. Well, now you got to be like the, uh, what was that like fat dude that got all the boy bands big back in the day? Who, who took all Pearl the money? Yes. I don't know, but good opener. Be like the fat dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was heavy. 
Yeah, he was. He was. Um, and a molester, so thanks. Was he really? Yes. Oh, all right. See, I didn't follow up his story. <laughs> I'm going to change just... the subject. Uh, <laughs> Good call. <laughs> Benny, earlier we were talking about Brugger's Bagels. Yeah? About how you work there. Yeah, terrible job. <laughs> and we were talking about the Leonardo da Veggie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember any names of these sandwiches till he said it so specifically. Was anyone else a vegetarian and then you had to order that and it was like really embarrassing? Jonah, the king of puns, embarrassed by the great pun, (laughs) Leonardo da Veggie. (laughs) That job sucked. What was the worst part about working at Brugger's Bagels? Well, it was like a three to six after school job where I was basically like cleanup dude. Okay. Clean the tables, clean the floors, dishes, that big like bagel vat that they do the dipping in. I don't know if you've ever worked in the bagel industry. Never. Yeah. So before, you know, you do the dough, you, would th- you don't just toss it in the oven. It needs to soak right. in a hot bath of water and maybe some barley and mm. things of this nature, which is not fun to clean. Can you make beer out of bagel juice? <laughs> oh, my God, Laura. That's amazing. <laughs> People Probably. would buy that. People would buy it. Probably. All right. It'd be kosher. Laura, what was your worst job ever? Yeah. Not the bagel store. I worked at a bagel store. Did you really? Bagel Man. Yeah, I'm from Long Island. So are you Island. familiar with what he's talking about? Oh, of course. Yes. Wow. I, uh, Proper yeah. East Coasters, man. Yeah. Just eat bagels. That's what That's you what do. We do. I uh, was Northeast. a Snapple stalker at a deli called Busco's, but I was too young to work, so they just kept me in the fridge like all summer, but it was pretty fun. You only stock Snapple? Really only. They had like wow. a giant. It was like when Snapple was like yeah. Dude, really Snapple big. was huge. I, yeah. Filling Snapple containers... It takes it's, a long time. It's hard. Especially if you take your time with it, which right. is good. If you do, because there's always, I've been in this industry, so there's, there's two types of people, right? There are the ones who like just haphazardly bring a bunch of Snapple over and see what fits, mm-hmm. and then there's the people that go through and make a very itemized list of what they need to bring. Mm-hmm. Which type were you? Um, I would say maybe A. You were A. <laughs> I was a little uh, haphazard, but then I kind of just sat I hated my fucking thoughts. working after you so bad. <laughs> I always did the labels out. I was though. like, who put an extra mint behind two empty pieces? You just peaches? stick it at this the end. Bullshit, man. Some lazy ass who didn't make it was me. Sheet. Mango madness on the back of all the yeah, all thanks. the lines. Thanks for that. This is a delicious flavor. So Busco's? Yeah, Busco's. Is there a deli in Long Island without an Italian last name? <laughs> Probably not. I don't think so. <laughs> so wait, you have an old house. Right? I do. It's from eighteen fifty. And it's where you wrote Cockshore. No, we just bought this house January sixteenth. Oh, okay. oh a new old house. Yeah, so it's brand new, but uh that's record I wrote in another old house. Yeah, I, probably. Yeah. With same. a frozen attic, I heard. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. What was the vibe writing that record? Cold. It was like <laughs> the kitchen was so badly insulated that cans would explode like seltzer cans whoa would that's explode. a weird old house thing my old house is like that you open a cabinet and there's a breeze it's like yeah a very old i guess because they're like this is where the fire is so yeah well our kitchen was an add-on and we met the guy in a bar that like did like the contractor he was uh, like oh yeah i put a kitchen on in that house and i was like oh of course you did <laughs> you <laughs> <kitchen> suck sucks. <laughs> So you, did one, so you did one record in one old house, and so you're going to just, each old house you purchase will have a different album? I guess so. I got to start writing. I haven't been home, really, so maybe tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no, the next day. I've got a wedding tomorrow. But then I'll, I'll start writing. <laughs> What's the next step in the house? Tile? 
Um, I gotta do the kitchen ceiling. This kitchen ceiling is real shit. What do you work? Oh, this is the plaster. This is we were the plaster. About? Yeah, it's all. A mess. We were talking about how cool it is that you can just learn <laughs> to do that shit on YouTube now. Yeah, you don't need anything but YouTube and tools. Yeah, this old That's house. It. There's so many. There's so much this old house to watch on YouTube. The internet makes things kind of punk rock in a way, doesn't it? Like yeah. you can sort of do anything yourself yeah, now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But are you talking a, about skim coating or just putting up like heat rock? I don't know <laughs> what it is. It's a big needs. difference. It's Listen. got a real problem. So it might be like actually reinforcing the plaster with uh, like. You guys remember how much this sucked before you owned a oh, home? Yeah, that's like a whole ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> Joists? Sure. Are those horizontal or vertical? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know I don't know either. Oh, man. You so, want, don't you want an apartment? You said yes when I said joist. Side? I think a joist goes horizontal. All right, cool. cool Get in there, John. Cool, cool, I see cool, you. Cool. So, look, have you started writing any new music? What's happening? Yeah, I just finished um, recording actually at my mom's house. So oh, on Long Island, I, I did some recording. Um, and then I'm going to be writing a, another record as soon as I have a moment. But yeah, I got my friend who actually lives across the street. His name's Joe. Um, he lives across the street from the Knitting Factory. So every time I go to his house, I put in the address of this building. (laughs) Um, but yeah, and then I just took him to my mom's house and (laughs) she's a snowbird. So the house is empty and we just kind of like made a record. Wait, what? So just because she wasn't around and it was cheap or like the acoustics are sick. The acoustics ended up being good. The radiators are very Ah. loud. They need Ah, to be bled. Um, so that was an issue. You can hear a little clanking uh, and steam screaming on some of the songs. But otherwise, it sounds pretty good. But yeah, he had a studio in Brooklyn and he just closed it. And he was like, I have all this shit in a storage space in Hoboken. You want to go get it and we'll make a record? <laughs> like, Do you sure. write when you're on the road? No. No, never? No, 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 no. You don't get like thoughts in the middle of the night and put them in like a dream journal and stuff? No, I don't think about anything other than like, I want to be sleeping. (laughs) I want to know more about Studio House though, because I like this stuff. Oh. So um, how long did it take to set it up to get ready to record? Like a day. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it was just like whatever, like a little rig. It wasn't anything crazy and it was just like a few mics. So. Did you like hop around from room to room, catch a vibe? We tried to do the attic, and I thought that that would be really fun. And I like got all the shit out of the attic, and that's like thirty five years worth of shit. Like I like put it all to the side, and I was gonna have it all nice because it's all wood. But then we found out that it was terrible sonically. It sounded bad. You heard a Doppler effect of all the cars going down the street. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was like and constant. It's kind of like a high traffic street, so it's kind of a mess. But the den was fine. So we did it in the den. I recorded a record once and uh, we recorded some stuff in the bathroom. This is a true story. sounds like I'm making it up, but I was <laughs> playing and I was like, how's the sound? They were like, good. And then I stood in the tub. I was like, this could be better if I want a cleaner tone. <laughs> <laughs> and there I, it is. I did not get That's this, one this reaction. Evening. That's one. That is very cute. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really funny. <laughs> I've told that joke actually on this stage before when I, I, I just realized I roasted beach slang. I did like kind of a greatest hits of puns. That was on there. <laughs> what band was this that you did that for? Beach slang. No, that you recorded. Oh, that was United Nations. That was like like oh. really early United Nations. That's awesome. Yeah, Laura, can you <laughs> tell me about your this music scholarship that your grandfather started? Oh, Is that like still a huh. thing. Uh, or did it? Was it just like the one time? 
I don't know if it's Because he wrote still a very famous thing. song, right? Well, he was on the writing team of the Little Drummer Boy, but like he got like demoted from like number one. <laughs> There's like, I mean, I feel like back then in like the 60s, just like, you know, things got complicated. Yeah. Tin yeah. Pan Alley bastards. Yeah. It's when the record industry was run by the mob, right? Half sure. right. Everything yeah. was like suitcases of cash, no contracts. <laughs> Sounds great. Don't have to pay taxes? <laughs> For some people. I mean, I remember like the tour manager Led Zeppelin. We used to carry around a pistol and a suitcase of cash. Whoa. How awesome is that? It's pretty cool. <laughs> and then there's that like famous story, like someone tried to steal it at Madison Square Garden and stuff. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, there's a book about that. Yeah, black dogs. This... Black dogs. Yeah, no. Cool. Yeah. But anyway, your grand did like I know there was a music scholarship at, at Yale. Yeah, Yale. Yeah, and I actually I got a Yale shirt when I went because like when they first gave him like a plaque, he and my grandma are like I don't know it's in their name, and so we went to the ceremony when they gave the first year's worth. So like, I don't know if it's like a few years or if it's like ongoing. I have no idea how it works. But, um, and I went to the gift shop and I bought a Yale shirt. I still have it. Um, but I wore it to my, like my junior year. I met with my advisor, like my guidance <laughs> counselor. And he was like, you're kidding me, right? And I was like, yeah, that's a joke. But I thought it would be fun. But yeah, not, I didn't apply to Yale. Oh, I thought you were doing like act as if, you know? Yeah, like when fake you it till you make suit, it. Like your first day at McDonald's, you're like, I'm going to manage this place. You know? Yeah. That's the thing. Like it's, from where? I don't know. I think I read it in like a how to be successful book once. So it must be true. It's got to be. If it's been, if it's written word, it's true. Yeah, that's a whole lot to unpack. Um, <laughs> you couldn't apply for the scholarship regardless no, of where you went. No, 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 no. Not for me, not for me. And it's still there and it's still going on. No idea, <laughs> but maybe. So you were close. Who, my grandparents? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know exactly like what they gave and how, if it runs out or if it just replenishes. I have no fucking idea. Is that idea. where music started for me? Like, did, did it, was it with him? Did you know him enough? Did you know about music through him that you were like, I think maybe me too? Yeah. Mm, no, I mean, like, I, I could play the piano. We had a piano in our house, so my mom was like, I'm, you know, when she saw that I was, like, three years old and, like, picking out sounds or, like, four, you know, then she was, like, throwing me into piano lessons because she was like, this is the one grandkid that's going to, like, carry, you know, carry it on. So... Yeah, but I mean, I never like played for them really, and I never like he. My grandma and my grandpa were both musicians. She was a singer um, and a piano player. She sang with Benny Goodman and stuff. She was really like, yeah, so she cool. was like really good. That's awesome. And her brothers were this like gospel duo called the McCravey Brothers. That like they have kind of crazy fans, but it's super niche. It sounds like her music from a horror movie. You know, like oh, the yeah. like warbly. Like the, who are they, the, the Leuven brothers, like those guys? Are the Leuven brothers as old? I don't know. Yeah, they demonstrate? Because I don't have this in my Yeah, head. I don't really know. Like, I can't oh, tell it. Like, kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like creepy. It sounds like it would be playing on like some like, you know, old record player, but like the arm just goes by itself because a like, ghost turned it on or something. Is it like the type of song that's like, on the scratching loop yeah, record player when exactly. you walk into a scary house. Yeah, in and a then movie. you see like you there's a mirror and you see like little girls' shoes like rent by, but then you turn yeah. around and there's that was horribly nobody. specific. Yeah. 
you yeah. know. Has this happened? This is shit I think about. <laughs> <laughs> this is the attic in upstate New York. Yeah. God knows what happens up I'm there. afraid of everything, you know. It's, I'd be terrified. You just explaining that place to me scares me. Yeah. I'm like, you're probably out in the middle of nowhere, old house. I know, like, late at night, I'd, like, I'd, like, rip one and just start having some, like, wacky thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't smoke know? weed. Yeah. <laughs> This is when the axe would be in front of me. Yeah. Just ready to not use it if it happens. Oh, just you have it just in case. You think you could axe someone? <laughs> I don't think that's a verb. <laughs> huh? Like axing. I've, I've heard that a lot in my neighborhood. People are always yeah, axing, axing each oh. other questions. Oh, axing. It's when question. you are getting ready to go out and you just liberally oh, spray yeah. yourself with axe body spray. Oh, yeah. That's called axing. Sorry, I'm too busy hard yeah. staring Brad after that. <laughs> It's a GTL thing. It's like the, what was that? Jersey Shore? Yeah, Jersey Shore. Mm -hmm. They do axing before they go out. I was just talking about Jersey Shore with Chris uh, Farron the other day. Chris, who's that? You know. Oh, you know him. Oh, you Um, mean the greatest musician on the earth? Yeah, it's wonderful. And we were talking about how, uh, like, most of them were, like, really good people. We were, like, going through the line, and I was like, hell yeah, Snooki rocks. Wow. I'd be your friend. Wait, why do you think they're good people? I don't know. They just seem like they care about each other, you know? Like, at the end of the day. They care about each other. You know what I mean? It's just really friends for a new generation, but their lives are real. (laughs) Like, I I just like, well, maybe not the situation, but, you know. I I went over, I I did a, a shoot and an interview at one of the dude's houses on Long Island, and I couldn't tell you which one, just one of them. And... Uh, he probably he, had great abs, whoever it was. Yeah, I mean, they were sick. <laughs> yeah. Sick abs. Washboards. Uh, oh, God. Beautiful. But he had bought this house for his mom, and he was just like, hey, this is my house. And he was, he had, like, literally had uh, a big statue of Leonardo's David and then a big statue of Venus de Milo when you walked in. I was like, that's got to be a joke. It wasn't. But <laughs> he turned it on and turned it off. Like, on oh. camera, he was like the guy, but off camera, he was like, how are you? Good to see you. Everything was nice and polite. And he had a British accent. <laughs> like, like he studied at RADA. <laughs> Completely. Uh, Snooki and Wow filmed their uh, offshoot show a block from my house cool. in Jersey City. So literally like down the block from my house was parked like a pink snakeskin fucking truck. This is real. That's And I cool. guess when it was in Seaside, it got like messed with so much Aww. that they had to keep like literally two Jersey City cops there 24 hours a day. Just to make sure nobody The truck was okay and then there was like a gate on the other side of the street for the random fans looking for a picture. Um. And I found it infuriating <laughs> that they were there. And I tried to ignore it. I thought the best policy was I, th- I thought the best way to get back at people like this is to give them no attention, right? Because that's what they want. So I just tried to like mindfully ignore anything around that had anything to do with them. And one day I put in my laundry to the laundry machine and went for a coffee and I'm ordering and what do I hear behind me that's like, hey girl. And it was Wow with some big dude, you know, with like sleeves up to here and the mm. things and everything. He's all oily and dark and... Uh, <laughs> And, like, all these cameras and a boom mic, like, almost hit me. And that's where I was like, fuck all this. Like, I just want to do my laundry, you know, have a coffee, watch things spin around, think about Earth and, you know, stuff like that. I got to deal with that shit. 
you know? <laughs> that was the only time I got mad at it. Aww. Yeah, but that was my Jersey Shore. You should have hung out with them. They seem like nice people. I talked all to I'm the saying. crew people at all. Because they, they nice. rented a whole big... Yeah, they're like us. They're Everybody's just people nice. who are getting paid to hold <laughs> mics and who actually want to make films, you know, and stuff like that. They're, Trying to pay the bills doing yeah, that shit. They were cool. They, they work on cool. their dock. Wait, what dock? Oh, a dock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About who? I don't know. Whoever. It's Snooky. If, you, <laughs> if you, someone walked up to you right now and was like, here's 50 grand. I'll do it. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, now think about this, Benny. Just think for a minute. No. I got to buy a new furnace. I really didn't think it was going to go that way. That's 14, 15 tops. Well, sure. whatever. You can do whatever oh, the fuck shit, you want 15? with the money. So here's what I'm asking. If you could make a documentary about anyone for 50 grand, living it would have to be. Okay. Who would you do it on? That's really hard. I don't know. Keith Richards? No. He's alive, barely. I feel like he's got enough, you know, yeah, we know there's enough. There's a lot going on about him already. We know enough. It's not something ska related. I would think with you it would be something ska related. Oh, yeah, you related. do have oh, a ska, ska background. Related. You have a checkered mm, past. I do have a checkered <laughs> past. I do. Mm. Well done. Well done. That's a toughie, though. I, I don't the know. The wizard speaks seldom, but when he does. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just kind of a behind the music of Real Big Fish kind of thing. You know? Yeah, that could be good. That could be cool. Yeah, just go on that what ride is? with them. You know? never, <laughs> That'd be cool. There's never been an in-depth Real Big Fish Maybe a reason story being told. So am I like you're investing this to... money into this? No, or no, no, am I getting giving, it on uh, off the top? You're giving this money. That's a lot of trumpet players to go through. I don't think you'd have enough yeah. time and footage. <laughs> I feel like both it. of you are too old. <laughs> To oh, respect real big second fish. wave ska. That oh, is, you know what? You are absolutely <laughs> no, correct about no, that. No, Brad, Brad, that is true. Brad turned the radio off for them. <laughs> oh, there it is again. See, I'm not as good at it as John. <laughs> no, I saw, I saw, dude, I saw them with, I, I saw Real Big Fish open for the Cherry Pop and Daddies. So Ugh. that's my ska cred. How long after Swingers came out? Oh, no, that was the other one, wasn't it? No, was it the one that was Big Bad Voodoo Daddy? That was a different daddy Yeah, there was two that were exactly the same at the same time. There was the zippers of Squirrel Nut, and there was... (laughs) It's when, like, Arthur Murray Dance Studio all of a sudden was like, why the fuck does everyone learn swing dancing all of a sudden? (laughs) This Vince Vaughn guy is going to go far. I know. And shoot someone. Um, He shot someone? No, he's just that. He's a pro-gun nut, so... He oh, really? looks like the type of guy who would like drunkenly shoot someone. Yeah. <laughs> I could see it. And Favreau would be like, we were friends a long time ago, but now I do Avengers stuff. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. And that's where we are mm. now. He was all serious in that True Detective season two, and yeah. I just wasn't into it. No. I like him better when he's just like goofing around. He's better at goofing around. Four Christmases, great movie. How do you take <laughs> that guy seriously after all the things he's done? You know? Oh, he was good know. in Psycho, though. Oh, the Psycho remake? What? I heard no. a no out there. The no. Gus, no. Hard no. The Gus, no. The Gus, just kidding. Just kidding. I agree. I agree. The, the Gus Van Zant Psycho that said, you know what this movie needs? Color and masturbation. <laughs> That's what every right. movie needs. Yeah. That's true. Are you rethinking your 50 grand It's a wonderful life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Yeah, this should be more sexual. <laughs> Wait. So speaking of Chris Farron. Right? Uh-huh. So I asked Chris Barron for a mystery friend question. Chris is going to love so oh, much right? we're talking about him so much. <laughs> and listen to what this guy writes to me. I'm going to do it so I can do it. I right, said, so I write him, any luck? 
He writes, ask her who her favorite person is to tour with and why it is Chris Farron. <laughs> it is Chris Farron. It is probably, though, yeah, right? Of course. Yeah, and know. the reason why is because it's Chris Farron. I mean, he's a perfect person. <laughs> he is really fun to, like, stay with. Like, we were just staying in hotels together, just me and him. And, like, every morning, you just turn, you see him, he's on his phone. You look over, you open your eyes. He's like, what's up? And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a great day. We get to the venue early, which I love, and just hang out with He's my a buddy. hard worker. He doesn't, he doesn't he take the credit for that. He is. He's very hard worker. But homeschooled and a little strange. Homeschooled, yeah. We got to bring him down a peg, <laughs> right? Because we've been talking so nicely about him. He does weird <laughs> stuff, too. He's weird, yeah. Like, I'm not going to specifically mention any of the weird stuff. Uh-huh. Well, that's oh, just but I shitty. know. No, there's a weird... You, you can ask him himself... <laughs> But there's a weird hotel room thing he does that I'm not at liberty Is to talk about. Is it the backpack about. thing? No. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, you might know. <laughs> it's gross and weird, and he does it. I don't know if he does it anymore. Well, a thing that's not so weird, yeah. it's a little weird, but it's not gross, is that he just, as soon as he gets to a hotel room, he just dumps his bag completely on the bed. <laughs> And he's like, I know this is a little strange, but this I like to do this. And it's pretty cool because I don't even know what's in my purse and if I did it. But I, I just get anxiety seeing it happen because I think about all the things that must roll Wait, what's under the purpose? hotel just room beds. Just to kind of like, yeah, just kind of like get a lay of the land a little bit. Take stock a lot. With the stuff, you know, which I, is actually really smart. Yeah, it kind of is because yeah. I always find something in the bottom of a tour bag. That I was looking for like yeah, three weeks. Fun before. surprise. Yeah. <laughs> if you did dump your bag out, Laura, what do you think would be I the weirdest should. thing you'd find? Um, I have a lot of like things that I find, like rocks and like uh, shells and stuff. Rocks. I find rocks yeah. too. You take rocks from special <laughs> moments I do. and you not remember where they're from. Yeah. <laughs> I have a pearl in my purse that I found in my house when I moved in. I was like, oh, this is nice, and I threw it in my purse. And that's yeah. in there. I got a pearl. But like a couple rocks. <laughs> I do that all the time. I find a rock in my bag. I'm like. This was from like a fucking moment. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't write it down. You got to tag them. No idea. You got to no tag them. You've tagged your rocks. No, but that's smart rocks. to do. Just put a little date Did on you them. Get a little it? Did you yeah. get the idea from doing that from that movie with honors with Joe Pesci? <laughs> no, because that's I didn't where I got that. that idea. Oh, is that Brendan Fraser? Yeah, Fraser at oh, Harvard. Yeah. Fraser. Fraser. Oh, I'm sorry. <sighs> Jesus. Shit. Never diss the Encino man. It's the one with Pesci. Is the ghost of Walt Whitman in like a Harvard basement? Bullshit. What? You're making this you see up. See Thomas Howell is like a college. Pesci is the ghost of Walt Whitman? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, that's what they call him. He's a bum who lives in like the basement. Oh. And then this like Brendan Fraser, yeah, Fraser starts out like all like snooty Harvard kid, but then like get some lessons in life and then they oh, like cool. you know really like connect and like yeah 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 and then he ends up uh getting more Raquelli at the end oh. from the cutting edge from the cutting edge yeah, I was about I to say yeah. you and I I feel like we've seen a lot of the same movies probably right? have I you never have any idea what you guys are talking about <laughs> no. you don't no the cutting edge is really good cutting yeah. edge Moira Kelly D.B. Sweeney oh, yeah. D. B. Sweeney. he's a hockey he's, player but he gets injured he's, he's the hockey player yeah. with an edge wait am I who dating who? myself who here knows what the cutting edge is that's a lot. Yeah, yeah that's a lot. Jonah, that's like I think 50, you're the 60%. One. You were probably too cool for this stuff when I was know. coming out. It's a really <laughs> good movie. You know, I'm playing guitar, and I'm into things that are super subversive. 
and you just wouldn't like. Was it on, on... Epi- was it on Epitaph Records or no? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I you don't probably know. just weren't willing to fucking turn on TNT and just let loose a little. Yeah. You know, it's always too cool. Now I'm paying the price. You are. I'm so embarrassed. And we were just like, yo, fuck it. We're nerds. We're just gonna watch this. I'm stuff. into what I'm into. Yeah. <laughs> it's disappointing to me that you don't know who DB Sweeney is. You probably. He's wonderful. I do. He played Aang in The Legend of Korra. He was a voiceover artist. Yeah. That's where I'm going to shut up. Well, he was uh, also the guy who got taken by aliens in Fire in the Sky. <gasps> oh, my God. The movie scared me so much when they stuck the needle in his eye in the beginning terrifying. of the movie. I watched that movie so when I was like 12 with Tyler Rand, who wound up being in Midtown. Oh, cool. We were high school, actually middle school friends, and he forced me to watch that movie in a fucked me up for like months. So scary. Because I was like, oh, wait, this could happen to me. I could be taken at any time and a needle could be put in my eye and just preyed upon by aliens. See, they know they'll take you if you're afraid of being taken. So just don't be afraid and then... Is that you don't real? get taken. I don't know. That's what I would tell myself. When I was <laughs> but then it's like a cyclical thing because then you're like afraid of seeming afraid huh. like a dog can smell fear. That's and then true. It'll attack you. We just did an interview with Tom and Joe from Menzingers mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago and Tom's really into aliens. So when I was researching for the podcast, I did a lot of stuff. I just checked out some aliens. Stuff. Yeah. And That's within cool. like 20 minutes of looking into it, which I've never done, I think UFOs are fucking bullshit. You do? Yeah. <laughs> like, why did no one see one until, like, 1947 when everyone started fucking with aviation? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And it's so much more obvious to me that, like, some there was aviation or government would be doing fucking something shady mm-hmm. than aliens are, like, checking us out. Like, I think if they were going to come do something, they would just do something. Do you think something. they're just, like, spy vehicles? I think it was probably some, like company with a spy vehicle okay. or some like government with a spy vehicle not like some race of people who's just toying with our emotions the grays <laughs> well, there's the grays and then there's like the nordic looking ones that are supposed to be really hot i don't know i've been i was really into ufos for like two weeks and then my husband bought me uh like the he researched like the best ufo book for me like because he was like oh she's really into ufos i'm gonna get her a present and then by the time it came i was like not mm, into over it. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i was into it for a hot minute i don't know like i want to think it's real and all this means something if you want to think it's real not. it's real that's true yeah. All right. It is real. It's real. That's nice. There you go. We've solved <laughs> thanks, it. Laura. Laura, no thank you so much for joining hey, us. You're our first me. one out here for 300th episode. <laughs> we solved UFOs. So there's that. Uh, you can go whichever way you want. No one can tell it's audio. Um, uh, coming to the stage now, as a gentleman, you all know whether you know or don't, but you've probably seen him play in Bad Religion. He's touring right now with his band Dag Nasty. Uh, his band literally changed my life as a child. Minor threat. Please welcome Mr. Brian Baker. Hi, buddy. Hi. True story too. That that life changing. Life. Event. I was just going to go with that one. Life changing. Yeah. <laughs> it did. Tell me more. I was listening to uh, nothing but Bon Jovi and Cinderella, and met that friend that everybody has, who's like, "Hey, what you're listening to is shit." Listen to this, and he. I listened to Minor Threat, and the heavens opened, and I understood music, and it was great. 
There's some good songs on uh, Night Songs, Cinderella's third release. <laughs> Cinderella's some, some quality not ballads. But I, uh, I saw Cinderella good. open for Bon Jovi at the Cap Center way back when. Awesome. And it was yeah. a d- delightful show to another Fairfax County native. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Brian, thanks for joining us. You're a sure. new, new uh, north, northeaster, northern resident now. Yeah, I... Uh, I moved to Asbury about almost a year ago. Jersey. From, uh, Represent. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? From uh, Washington. I was in Washington, D.C. for like 40-something years. Jonah, New Jersey's a state. Yeah. yeah. Totally outnumbered. We're totally York. outnumbered on stage right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three yeah. people yeah. live in New Jersey. The civilized world versus New <laughs> Jersey. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I love it. Fucking transplants. <laughs> I'm not going to speak to this. <laughs> Are you, are you and you're digging it? So 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 you live here, uh, in Manhattan. Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> and you and why Jersey? What made you say like, uh, where's where where is punk still alive? Is that why? Yeah, well, that was my main my main thing <laughs> is to find as much punk as I could because <laughs> we we're out of punk in DC. It's, yeah, it's gone. It's I don't know if you paid attention. There's nothing left there. So God, I got to find the bouncing. Souls. Yeah, where, where can I go? They? And then I, that's exactly. Yeah. It. Um, it, really what it was was uh I was it was very early in the morning of November 9th, 2016 and uh I remember shuffling down into the basement of my house in DC and starting to slowly pack up some artifacts from oh, yeah. my from my straight edge career uh because I knew I had to get out. Yeah. Because I'd lived through a lot of administrations uh but I just saw that this was different than the other one. No, bullshit. I, I, uh, <laughs> my wife is from Asbury Park, and, uh, and we're old, and we've been going there for, you know, for vacation, and we had a lot of friends there. And uh, we've been, about five years ago, I said, look, we should just move here, and it took us five years to get our shit together. And uh, so that's really the, the true story. I wasn't, I wasn't looking for anything. I, I just wanted to go to the beach. Have you guys um, metal detected for coins yet? You know, it's funny. I uh, I was doing some research. Uh, I was act- that's so perfect. Uh, in bad religion, I tour with people I've been with for like twenty years. So sure. you know, we're all old. And the couple of my front of house guy, pretty much the day I showed up after I moved to New Jersey, was like, "Now you want to look into the white detectors?" And that's oh. a, yeah. And he knew he had the whole rundown. And uh, it seemed pretty cool. But uh, I've been this winter. I've been on the beach a lot, and there's. I don't know if I want to join up with that crew yet. Yeah, the beach crew is tough. I mean, because yeah. they're really looking for... I mean, who carries change anymore either? Like, they're, they're probably slim pickings. Yeah, I, th- I don't think it's change they're looking for. I think... Uh, what do you think they're going after? I, well, they're... You know, I've noticed because I'm... Nuclear I mean, fish. No, it's Gold just... Gold blooms. <laughs> there you go. Like, some, they want things that come out of the ocean. It's not so much the... Uh, it's a different group of people. The summer people who are just trying to get wristwatches oh, the and change. Oh, okay, but yeah, yeah. these wintertime dudes, are they have a much bigger goal. Civil not, War artifacts? I've never spoken to that them, That stuff course, is cool. frightening. But. I got a friend with a small child who they go to like um, different sites in Jersey and Pennsylvania and dig up like old Civil War, Revolutionary War artifacts and bullets. And well, you know, that could be illegal. Why? Well, some experience with Civil War reenacting before it was a bad thing to do. And I, I was going to tell you that I, I'd heard all these areas are protected. You should is that something to you be very careful. did? Uh, no. Oh. No. I mean, I, uh, I had a Civil War phase. I didn't, I didn't dress up. What'd you do? Would you collect? No, I just, uh, I had. Dressed up? <laughs> I just collected the outfits, but I never put them on. <laughs> Uh, 
in DC, I realized one day that I was in kind of the the center within a hundred mile radius of pretty much everything important, you know, or most of the important things that happened in the uh, war of Northern aggression. And so I got interested in it because, because oh. I don't have a job nice drop. and I had nothing to do. I had nothing to do. And, uh, like most, most you of the called last it what my mom years. was raised calling it. My mom, I'm from yeah. North Carolina. They were raised the war of Northern aggression with that. I don't, that faux history revisionist bullshit. Yeah. It's, uh, there's, you know, there's, <laughs> there's some people who have an idea about that conflict and a lot of them are you can find in the wintertime doing a little relic hunting on the beach <laughs> right. yeah still another crew that kind of like shut shut down my uh my flowering into a full-fledged member i was just more curious about you know how things happened and a nice way to spend an afternoon what's what? your what's your like number one hobby now maybe outside music um uh, it's right now it's bicycles. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, just, uh, I'm really into road bikes and, uh, that's another actually reason why I moved to New Jersey. There's such great riding, um, where I live. And so that's, that's about it. What's really. your typical ride? Like you map out a route or you're yeah, just freewheeling? Yeah, I do like a, a loop basically yeah. like, uh, I, if you ride too far, I just realize it's not that much fun for me anymore. So it's, uh. I try to do go out maybe like three hours and just do a nice circle that gets you from your house and back to your house uh, with with minimal hills. Um, it's a long I'm, loop, though. Yeah, but it's three hours. Yeah, but if I'm not killing myself, I mean, it's just a nice little. There's some nice boardwalks to, to yeah, go down. You could just yeah, it's just a nice a nice time to clear your head, and it's uh, you know, also I think the whole kind of got into the whole uh, the whole road bike, you know, the Elan. The, the whole the whole look I think is kind of cool. Yeah, do you wear the cycling pants? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I got everything. Yeah, I have everything. But a lot of wool yeah, things. Do you have the mirror on the helmet? No, no, there'll be no mirrors. As no, a novice not. cyclist, I always wonder because I see the people with the funny pants. I'm sorry I'm calling them funny. It's I know fine. you wear them, but they you don't are understand a little their purpose. funny. <laughs> and uh and I'm like, wow, that's, you know, why don't you just ride your bike? Like, why do you got to do all that shit? You got to like, oh, what do you read? Cycling magazine and get into the whole subculture now, you know? And then I'm like. Just put it out there, man. Just then let I'm them like know. riding my bike for 20 minutes and like my ass cheeks just hurt. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, oh, wait, there is something do to you these see, pants. Now you're seeing right? it, right. Yeah. So there is padding in these pants, That's the whole right? point of the thing. Right. There's, there's padding. It's not, there's no yeah. aerodynamic advantage yeah, yeah. to like a 50-year-old guy chub, you know. Makes sense. Yeah. It makes no. more sense. <laughs> no, it's just about uh, if you're going to be on a bike for three hours, yeah. that's probably a good way to do it. You know, you get judgy about shit and then yeah. you just look like a jerk, right? Yeah, well, I, I do too. Have you ever met anyone who has... A minor threat, dag nasty, and bad religion tattoo, like the trifecta. <laughs> I don't, okay. which is shocking because got to be someone. Out I know. There. I've I've seen a lot of. I've seen, I've seen some minor threat, dag nasty double ups. Okay, for sure. Uh, I don't think I've. I can't recall seeing a trifecta. Huh. I'll look for that. Got to so. find it. It's like yeah. the Da Vinci Code of your yeah. life. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and they're, they're quality logos. I mean, you really. It's you true. Know, quality logos yeah. like you came up with dag nasty was that you uh the it was really a collective thing the the band name we all we just it was free associating in our drummer's parents house and the the big the burning head is from the flyleaf of a book our colin was kind of spooky he was our goth member mm-hmm. and this was some you know 30s french uh dusty tome that you know 
he'd found at a used bookstore, and it had a, a pretty much the Burning Head logo, and we just stylized it a little bit. It was actually a full body. It was like a female vampire, and so we kind of made it a little more like a rubber stamp, like a little more hardcore. Did you get when I when I emailed you about being on the on the on our 300th episode here? Uh, I did the in honor of Jonah, like the worst pun. I went. I wrote Brian. Can I say it would be awesome to have you on our 300th episode? I don't know. Okay, just checking. Didn't know. I don't. Good. I, yeah, I don't see all the signals sometimes. No. I mean, I had a field day writing it, so I don't know if that was. I feel like that was he's one. a pun master, though. It's just hard. John is hard. I feel like we have forsaken junkyard a little bit in this interview. I was yeah, just I, getting to it. Oh, Brad's wife was me. talking about how much she loved Junkyard excuse when we were at dinner before could, this. And was, now we got the beach rats. What sort of phase was that sort of in your life? Yes. Like, what was the story behind that? Um, that was, well, I mean, I'll, I'll say that I really enjoyed that band. I think it's an awesome band, and they do still exist. I just don't play with them. Okay. Um, my goal at that point was um, I wanted to stop having a job and play guitar all the time. And... This was the first opportunity that came up. I mean, it mm. was really kind of a, you know, I ran, the guys in Junkyard were people, a couple of guys I knew from punk rock because it was a member of the Big Boys and uh, the drummer was from Decry. And I ran into the guy in the Big Boys in a 7-Eleven in California. I was living in LA and he's just like, oh, we, uh, we have this band and we have a record deal and we need a guitar player. Do you want to come try out? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Where would you like me to be? And it was, it was just that simple. There wasn't like a pre-anything yeah. uh, set up for it. Conveniently, I already had grown my hair out because I was, you know that when you get so punk that you go anti? Right. Yeah. So I'd, I was kind of like, you know, long hair and like the white high tops and all. I'd, I'd already really, you know, crushed the dreams of all around me and, and, uh, and <clears throat> disrespected uh, those who brought me to where I was. Uh, so I looked right. <laughs> And also I played, I mean, I've played guitar pretty much the same way. It's kind of like the, you know, the poor man's Angus Young, uh, Captain Sensible thing. And that's what this band needed. So that's how I got there. Now, do you still have the collectible card of yourself? Oh, God, yes. I just posted, <laughs> I had, I, uh, I posted one on my Instagram account uh, a few nights ago because I got a, I have a new trading card. I have uh, been drafted as a member of the uh, Asbury Park football club. Oh, you're at Asbury Park FC now. I am. And oh. uh, basically... This is a very uh, elite organization. Well, well, it's even more than that because uh, Pete Steinkoff and I are actually the Neptune City Football Club. Oh. And uh, it's an you're offshoot. You're competing, aren't you? Well, or it's an offshoot. It's a brotherhood. Uh, you're like it's, the B yeah. team? Uh, it's hard to describe. We have... Uh, <laughs> basically, I think Pete and I are the only members. Whoever <laughs> DJ plays for is going to win. Yeah. Well, he would be Asbury. Yeah, he's for Asbury. sure. I, you know, he is Asbury, actually. I yeah. saw his card. He's very buff. The guy uh, we're talking about, he's very buff. Yeah. Yeah. He's, well, he's a, he's, a, he's a weightlifter model. What is that called? Where you're, you're sculpted? He just basically shows his body. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. For it's money? something I couldn't imagine. I don't know if he gets paid. In, in, in a tournament but format, does, it's not. I mean, I guess maybe there's place. prize money, sure. But he owns a place where you can go hang out with cats. He owns a cat. Oh, cat. I know him. Yes. And yeah. mm-hmm. The funny thing about that is, like, you'd want to make fun of it because it's a place you go to just, like, pet no, cats a, and, like, cat drink cafe. coffee. I, so it's, like, silly a little. But I, I, if anyone I, said it, this guy You'd want to make fun you. of it. Yeah. He would murder you. So it's, like, the funniest thing. It's, like, a mobster running, like, like a cupcake place. It's, it's Catsbury Park. It's yeah, Catsbury Park. If you're Park. in Asbury. Oh! But all the cats. If you're in Asbury. Listen, listen, before you judge, 
Yeah. Which people love to do. <laughs> These cats go for adoption. It's like, it's all, yeah, it's no, all it to get stray cats in the homes. Of, I mean, he probably makes some money. I don't know. You I, do have to pay to pet the cats. I, he doesn't make any money, but they do, they place a lot of cats. I mean, it's actually, yeah. it's a great thing. It's not bad. It's not a yeah. bad thing. If you're into okay. cats, I would suggest checking it out. Yeah. This is exactly yeah. where have I thought this interview cow. would go. Listen, yeah. we're not putting animals in overhead bins or anything, okay? Huh? That was too topical. This isn't going to air too in close? time for that. <laughs> we already talked too about close? Tide Pods, which is so topical. Yeah. Moved on to Brad, this. you want to do your, your mystery friend for Brian? Yeah, so... Oh, yeah. We, do, we have a segment. What, you have one too? No, 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 not for Brian. No. I've, I've got one, but mine are, mine are ridiculous. You have to do... Mine, they're great, but they're ridiculous. You have to do yours first. So this, this is, is a little yeah. segment that we do where... Mystery friend. I'm Benny gonna, created it. I'm Thank you, Benny. try to prompt you on something from your past. And you'll tell the story, and then you have to guess who actually gave me this story. That's that's good. That sounds hard. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it'll be. If you if you don't get it right away, I'll give you some. That was notes. a super like James Lipton explanation too. <laughs> if you could explain, like, there was a time that you made an assault on the Discord house because you felt like you needed to remix the Embrace record. Whoa, that's fun. Does this ring any bells? Uh, well, I, I do think that I would like to remix the Embrace record. Uh, this is one of my favorite records ever that, that suffers from the loudest hi-hat ever recorded. Uh, I don't know who gave you that. Do you, know the, do you remember the story? I remember, I mean, this is something that I have said in bars, like, and if I had it, you know, I'd really like to do it. Supposedly, <laughs> an old Discord house. supposedly you were riding around D.C. with someone, and you felt like Michael Hampton's guitar was mixed too low. Was it Michael Hampton? No. <laughs> <laughs> but according to this person, you actually went to the Embrace, you went to the, you went to the Discord house and demanded yeah, well, the master tapes... Because you felt like you could remix them. And Ian greeted you at the door and said, and, and actually went and got the tapes and said, these tapes? And you, and you said, yes. And he said, fuck off. <laughs> well, here's the thing. That's all not true. <laughs> Whoa. What? Uh, no, Brad, we, you got to corroborate this. Who, 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 who told you this? Can you get, do you have any idea? Well, somebody who, is, who isn't telling the truth. Uh, I can't believe you made going off track fake news. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> is this fake? Sarah Sanders. This is, this is according to Andy Rappaport. I have to leave. Story. Uh, see, Andy loves to tell a story. <laughs> oh. So, so I've, been taken, I've been taken in. This is a first for mystery, Fred. Yeah. No, no. It, it, We've it, been given an artificial story. Now that, I know, uh, now that I know who it's from, I mean, yes, he just, uh, Andy's an actor. I don't know if that no, oh. you know what that means, but basically he acts like someone he isn't on sometimes. It's like a role he's playing, and you never know if it's Andy or the role. And I think this was the role uh, for you. He was just making a good story better. He was trying to blow it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like the type of guy, just his name wants to be mentioned on here. I like yeah. the story. Successful. Yeah. Successful. Yeah. I, love, I love Andy. Well played. Okay, I'll do mine here. All right. And, and, the, and uh, mine don't have stories. They're just questions, and they're very Jeopardy-like. So... Uh, for what type of bass did Brian trade his custom-built bass to Chuck Dukowski? A Dan Armstrong Lucite bass that looked a lot like the Greg Ginn guitar. Oh, my God. It was, that's like a verbatim answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Okay, I'll give you another one. Yeah, the frets uh, were in the wrong place, by the way. Like, it wasn't just not playable. It was actually built wrong at the factory and could never be in tune. Whoa. Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's my war now. <laughs> 
Nice. All right. Uh, well done. We're all going to have a nervous <laughs> breakdown after that one. Oh. oh, God. I should shut up. All right. Uh, the next one is, what did Rich the roadie from Minor Threat do for a living? Which might be a good clue as to who gave me these questions. Uh, Rich was a auto mechanic. Okay, then no. It was not a good clue. Uh-uh. Uh, Rich the roadie, according to this person, delivered the Washington Post. He did. I was. Um, he did both. But yes, the the real job would be Washington Post. That was the correct answer. Oh, okay. Any <laughs> yeah. any idea? Any idea? Who who, who the person who, sending me the these? mystery friend who asked oh, these questions? Still, oh, friend. the theme that this all is based on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, obviously Eric L from Dove who sent that in. No. <gasps> no. Okay, I'll give you another one because this person sent friend. me a bunch. When you first went punk, <laughs> we all have this moment. You used a sharpie on what part of your clothing? I feel I've gone too specific. I don't even know if they had sharpies back then. <laughs> they were called marks a lot. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, I don't know. I would. I have no idea. Shoes. Uh, the white piping of your designer jeans. This person said. Yeah. All right, what was Ian Mackay's favorite song in 1982? Um, I've had it, Black Flag. Oh, actually, according to this person, it was Da 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 by Trio. All right, I have one final question. This sounds like Steve Hanskin. No. Uh, when you first ran into Henry Rollins after you joined Black Flag, what was he clutching? This could go in any yeah, direction. Yeah, that's, that's a big... Uh, the world. <laughs> <laughs> no ideas. No ideas at all. No, I don't really know who that could be. You were you were in two bands with this person. What was he clutching? I, I, I just, yeah. <laughs> uh, an, an, an eight ball. Oh. Like a fun one? No, no. Like an actual no, billiards. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You were you, uh, this person you played in with the Meat Men, I believe. Lyle. 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 I should have known. Yeah, I should have known. Mystery friend. Yeah, well, I mean, again, there's, there's, most of those are accurate. Uh, The designer jeans thing. First of all, those were my mom's jeans. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason I had them, because I was very, I I was small. I was 15. I was about five feet tall. So I fit in her clothes, but they had zippers on the side. So they were my mom's designer jeans that I colored the piping in with a Mark Salat. Because it had zippers, which I thought looked kind of British. Because I was just starting. Yes. I also, I, also, I also dyed my hair with her hair dye for the first time. It was red because she dyed her hair red. So I learned a lot from mom. Gotta mom, find your way. Mom was a big part of way. punk for me. Now, legally, how many uh, documentaries on the DC punk scene have to be made? 19. Okay. Which is good because we've got two more coming. I was going to say, <laughs> there's so much to cover. Yeah. I saw something in an older interview you did talking about... Someone was asking you about the D.C. scene and like how, you know, if politics and the politics of D.C. actually shaped that scene. And you had said that um, it was actually who is in office that kind of dictated the culture of D.C. because so much of the town was just based on the government itself. So when like Reagan was in office, was it just eight years of conservatives running around D.C.? I uh, I mean, I... I don't know how that applies. I I don't know how old that interview is because I've kind of changed. uh, I have a little bit of a better insight into it because I think what I was trying to get at is the 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 tone of of the city as far as it applies to normal people who go to restaurants and work and 
But the punk scene always managed to not, it didn't matter who was in office. It was an mm-hmm. interesting thing. It was this sort of, the, the, the more, uh, the more anti-democratic the administration was, the less light would be on us. And it was, you really could, could exist mm-hmm. in sort of a, you know, nobody really paid attention to this, these art, this artistic subculture when it was a, uh, you know, a Republican administration mm-hmm. because it just wasn't their thing. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, yes, there's definitely a tone now. As I said, you know, we go back to my November 9th exodus from from Washington. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's, I guess it's like, uh, I mean, D.C. is already a place that there's a lot of tourists. And, right. you, you know, there's that whole thing of, uh, you know, you're kind of inundated in seasons for, with people who really are, you know, I mean, I love the fact that they're there, but it's, you know, it's. You know what it's like living in Manhattan or, you know, in New York. It's like there's a lot of that going on. And when you have these new administrations, it's these permanent tourists. Mm. And it's not uh, – sometimes it's just not our best minds right. that, are, that, are, that are involved here. It's just a tough uh, – the temperature is different, I can say. Mm. Yeah. I, I try to make it funny, but it's really kind of sad. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, right now, sure. Yeah. So you still keep in touch with Tesco V? I saw Tesco, uh, I saw him maybe three years ago. I went to go see the Meat Men play in mm-hmm. Fairfax, Virginia. Oh, yes. Um, and, of course, I went, I went there at like 10 at night with a friend and ran into Tesco and hung out. And we talked for about an hour. It was great. And I found out he was playing at like one, and so I left because, you because know, <laughs> come on. Yeah, I'm with I you. mean, I really thought that 10 was perfect. Like, yes. I'm going to get there right as they're going on stage. But, you know, I'm, I'm out of touch, obviously. I had no idea how much uh, that you were a part of those records because I remember when I listened to them in high school because you couldn't, you couldn't really talk about listening to Meat Men because they were just a little, little offensive with the well, lyrics and a, things. A joke band, yeah. Total joke band, but yeah. some people didn't think it was a joke. And yeah. Well, they didn't get the per- Tesco's, Tesco's – is, is performance art. That's what he's mm-hmm. doing here with that. Um, I, I only played on, I played on one Meat Men record and one like 12 inch sort of uh, this combo. What was that? I, do you know what I'm talking about? It was, no. was it someone that you talked to know maybe? That sure. Andy Rappaport. Because <laughs> Lyle know. Yeah, it call was a, Andy. Have him tell the story because yeah. it'll be true. Yeah. No matter what. No it was a, there was a 12 inch that was a Tesco V 12 inch. Wasn't that, Hate Police, was it? No, it was Tesco V and the Meat Crew or something something along those lines. <laughs> I'm and sure. The we, front cover's great because Ian McKay's on the front, like kind of in a, like dancing. It's great. You should. I bet it's out of print. That's why no one knows what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, another thing I hope you can clear up for me. Um, so my band recorded a record in Austin, Texas once. And we went to a small studio, a guy named Mike Vasquez's studio. And we walked in and there was a Vox AC30 there that we were told you played on Minor Threat stuff. No. And my guitarist <laughs> went crazy for it and used it on our record. And for about a decade, we've been like, yeah, there's Brian Baker's AC30 is on our record. Yeah, but I, I've never <laughs> like made this a truthful story because well, I, I never, haven't had I the never, chance. I never, Are you telling me this is wrong? Well, I, I never so played an times. AC30 on a Minor Threat record. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I'm pretty sure he played bass on Minor Threat. Right? Well, I, I just lied. I played like, on, you just witnessed me lying to about 250 people yeah. that I didn't know I was lying to. That's all right. Until uh, now. Welcome to America. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to... Uh, but I think, I think 
<laughs> Lyle had an AC 100. Okay. Maybe on the last single. Because I remember he bought one of those, and it was exciting that it was not a Marshall. It was like a weird thing. You'd but, never play an AC-30? <laughs> uh, well, I have, but not... not On any other bands? Well, yes, I just... Maybe it's a bad religion one. I mean, it's almost as cool. Uh, yes, I'll be using an, an AC-30 <laughs> exclusively on the upcoming bad religion recording that I'm okay. starting next month. It's a blonde one I bought from Shit, Russo man. Music in Asbury Park. I just wrote this down in like a book, like all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Not sure. No chance. You're not burned as hard as uh, Nate from the Foo Fighters who thought he had one of my bases. And it was because the <laughs> poor guy. He has <laughs> so he's got he's, he's doing okay. He's got this base. <laughs> no, but I mean he's a fan of music. You right, know, it's right, like right. what I'm sure yeah. he has I'm sure he's fine. He's weathered the storm. Sure. But he's got this base <laughs> that he that he thought was mine and it's uh it's kind of close to this one I had for a little bit. And and he's been tell, told it's mine by Steve Hanskin, who was in Minor Threat for about, I don't know, maybe about eight months. Mm-hmm. We, had okay. a, we were five-piece for a short period of time. And Steve is the one who was like, that's Brian's bass. So um. Nate thinks it's vetted by, and it is, by a Minor Threat <laughs> member. And so when he's getting his signature bass made from Fender, it's going to use Brian's bass. It's going to be the, you know, it's like, this is, the, this is it. This is the prototype and all of this stuff. And, the, you know, his signature bass is being made. And uh, it, all one day... Like, I don't know any of this is happening. And he gets in touch with me and he's, you know, hey, I just want to let you know about this and all that. I was like, oh, well, that's, that's not my base. <laughs> and what it was, was his reaction like? He was cool, but I mean, he's disappointed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just, I, it was, but it was kind of vague because there are not a lot of pictures back then. Right, right, and right. Uh, I did a little Google detective work and found a picture of me playing the bass he was talking about and it has the one i was playing had the jack in a different part of the bass you know like on a p bass they go on the top yeah, yeah but mine yeah. was drilled here for punk because this would snap off <laughs> right, we always right, did right, that. right right yeah so that's uh so that was the story of that now can we I, work something out where i can just keep saying this yeah sure it's cool. <laughs> best amp i ever played all right great yeah it's cool i, I wanted to it's talk a top boost one too it's a good one <laughs> i want to talk numbers with you for a sec bad religion songs how many do you have to know off the top of your head at any given moment like 800 well <laughs> i no longer have to do anything i've, I've been there long enough where yeah. i just uh do the bare minimum and it's uh i know probably 200 200 we play about 30 a night maybe a little more than that and we change the set every night uh we probably keep a core of about 20 songs the same because people who want to come see bad religion want to hear a certain you know sure. obviously you have to hit you have to play um digital boy or some of these fuck armageddon these classic songs but uh we change them all the time and uh i think it's awesome i the only problem is that there are a lot that are the same yeah <laughs> and I'm not a lyric guy, so I know the words are different. Sure. <laughs> and they're important for different reasons, but from my perspective, it's the same. How often do you ever, like, get a part confused? Do you ever, like... Oh, I've uh, played entire awesome. songs that weren't the song. Really? <laughs> but the good thing is that a lot of the keys are the same, so, you know, with really just matter. a little pick slide here and a whoops there. This is where I'm like, must be fucking nice to be a guitar player. You oh, know? man. No one even knows. No, You're fucking up. Yeah, and there's two of us, so at the oh. very least, I could just be it was the other guy. You know, it's the new guy. If yeah. I was a guitar player, I'd be so high for every show. <laughs> yeah. But I just can't, because everyone would know if I'm messing up. 
And they go, that guy's fucking up. Now, a lot of, do you have, a lot of people don't realize that you almost weren't in Bad Religion. You're going to be another big band. Um, well, no, I was, I was uh, offered the chance to be a touring guitar player for R.E.M., which is right around their monster tour. And that's a whole different thing because that's just, you know, you're kind of like a crew guy. And mm-hmm. I was going to play bass when Mike Mills was going to switch to acoustic. Just kind of mm-hmm. like a utility infielder guy, mm-hmm. which was a great thing. I mean, I really was, I, I love R.E.M., and it was a great opportunity but Bad Religion was, it just came up right at the same time, and that was to be a band member and, ah, okay. uh, you know, contribute in that way. And that's kind of what I've always done. And, you know, I know where my bread's buttered, buttered and it has a mohawk. I mean, <laughs> yes. you know. Right answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you know. Don't aspire to anything higher, damn it. Just... Where's your mohawk, Brad? When did you bail on I'm looking punk? Down below. <laughs> <laughs> when the kids came? Uh, long before. Uh, I'm still so pissed I wore this button up. <laughs> yeah. Next time you can wear a t-shirt, dude. You know. You can do it. It's a podcast. No one cares. Um, this is live? At the moment, yeah. <laughs> I forgot there was people out here for a sec. It's, it's, like, it's, it's a good thing. Hey, uh, Brian, um... Uh, Dagnasty right now. You just did a, a couple of shows and you're doing more? Um, yeah, Dagnasty's been active for a couple of years. Original lineup now, right? Yeah. yeah, it's the original the original four guys. So it's that, that it's a really great experience because it's so, uh, the jokes are exactly the same and everyone is exactly <laughs> the same and nobody's changed at all. No one's learned anything. It's just, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a joy. Um, and we're playing actually, uh, we're playing in Brooklyn, which uh, at Brooklyn Bazaar, uh, I believe it is the 30th of March. And we're playing in Garwood, New Jersey, uh, the next day. I've seen the lineup. It's great. It's so much fun. Yeah, Weird it's cool. town. Yeah, I Would know. you ever do a show with, like, with Dave and Peter and get everybody up there and do it? No, like, I mean... No? No, that's kind of like... I mean, this... In the nicest way possible, doing this DAG thing is because it's fun for us. Mm-hmm. And about being a... It's 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 like it's not uh, it's not a review. It's not band and show. We're not trying to make it. You know, uh-huh. we're not going to. It's not uh, anything along those lines. It's just about. It's really fun to play the songs, and I I think it's Sean is the singer, and Sean was the guy. I mean, he's why the band sounded like it did, hmm. and he's also he's just awesome. It's I don't I don't need more singers. That's awesome. <laughs> a great way to end. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Brian, Thank you, Brian Baker. Go see Jack Nasty if you haven't. Heaven. Thanks so much. If you hang out, we'll say thank you again. If you leave, that's cool too. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I might be leaving. I don't know. All right. Well, thank you for joining <laughs> us. Appreciate it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, coming to the stage right now, um, if you didn't go see any of the Jawbreaker shows here in Brooklyn, then you fucked up. Uh, please welcome to the stage uh, one of our all time favorites, Mr. Blake Schwarzenbach. Unless he's out. Oh, no. He's coming up behind you. Oh, there you go. He's pulling a Batman. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) You did do the wrestling thing. We did the wrestling (laughs) thing. Yes. We talked about this. I I needed to open the ropes. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Like, this stage must feel so small to you right now. That was a Tobias Fumke. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a never nude? (laughs) Yeah. So first off, I want to thank you for fucking up my Instagram feed for a month with only giant jawbreaker backdrops. That's all I've seen for 
maybe like 30, 40 days now. <laughs> Ever since the chronology went out the window. We paid, we spent a lot of money on that banner. Yeah, yeah. there's something people don't realize about those banners is that you are legally uh, bound to make them fire retardant, mm-hmm. which costs a lot of fucking money. Retardant. Isn't that what I said? Oh. <laughs> All right. Did you think I, I said fire retardant? Yeah. No, I didn't. All right. I, I, or did I? I do, yeah. A little bit. What are you going to do? So you have one of the banners. My question is for both of you now. It's okay. With the banner, because this was the discussion for every show I saw, because I went out to Riot Fest and saw the banner. Did I say that? Super psyched. I I did. And uh, who keeps the banner? Like, where does the banner go? Because we, it's gorgeous, but like. The banner steward. The steward. Yeah, you have also, sorry, it's a union (laughs) rule that you have to hire a banner steward. Ah, fair enough. So it's local banner, banner wrangler. Local banner four on six, four five one. This is going terrible. Um. <laughs> no, you keep it with your stuff. They actually get really small. That's yeah. the incredible. How small thing. does that banner get? It fits probably like what, like a hockey bag. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, you need a good roller, but but that's all it takes. Yeah, it's not like you'd imagine like a, a like when a rain delay at a baseball game happens. It's not like that giant thing that sits on the side that's rolled up. Yeah, it's a lot smaller. You carry it around. It could fit in a suitcase. Yeah. Like a Samsonite. Mm-hmm. It's magic fabric. But they do cost a, like a ridiculous amount of money, like something you wouldn't think. Yeah. So when we try to break it out any chance we get, but <laughs> right. it only fits in a big room. Mm-hmm. Right. To hang it. Yes. And this is a new one for the newer shows you had it made? We've never had it. This is the first banner we've ever had. I can't imagine you had a banner back then. So when, like, I can't imagine, like, you guys were talking. You're like, we probably got to come up with a banner. Like, did someone bring (laughs) this Someone made you you get the banner, right? We have worked with uh, Bill from Monsula, who who tour manages Green Day, or did for a long time. He was kind of our inside person who said, here's what you have to do. Right. You're going to do all these things that you don't want to do. For, it was just for Riot Fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point, that's all we were going to do. And he said, you might want to think about a banner. That's like eight grand. And we were like, why would we buy a fucking <laughs> banner for one show? <laughs> I remember thinking the first crazy. time I had to order one of those. And I'm like thinking about going to like Alpha Graphics to, to order my first roll of like stickers. And I'm like, oh, it'll probably be something like that. Like, like 100, 125. Something like that. Right. <laughs> so I was like, no, you need this like super special fabric that, you know, you're legally this and it's like going to be like $10,000. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not doing that. But then you have to do it, right? Yeah. Did anyone try to get you to do like some kind of like crazy like production, like TV screens or like any like. No, we wanted to do that. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't borrow, we couldn't use anybody else's screens. <laughs> So we, uh, what we did was we, we pulled the whole stage in to make it like a living room was our ambition. Pretty cool. And they just, instead of hiring a lighting technician or whatever, all this was really expensive. We just, we wanted to be close to each other because we're a trio and, uh, that's how we did it. We wanted a, like a low, I wanted a lamp that would yeah. come down right in the center, <laughs> but that didn't happen. Well, then what was the thought process to lead up to this Riot Fest? Because this, the, the rumors had abounded for years. And like, what made it like, this is the time. This is when we're going to go for it. Uh, what, uh, so many strange things aligned. It just so happened that we all had the kind of desire and peace of mind to do it. And it, people were having cataclysmic things 
had just happened in their mm-hmm. life. Um, I was incarcerated for a short period of time in San Diego County. That's pretty catastrophic. For instance. <laughs> yeah. That's something. I, uh, is that something you're I allowed heard, to talk I about? I had heard tale because you had done I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. <laughs> okay. I guess I just did. So You did. You're good. There's you no can... NDA on this stuff. I mean, we like to think of this as a safe place. Yeah. I mean, I've... Do you feel that way? Well, I learned how to protect myself inside. Mm. So, wait. Did you, you did real time? In yeah, I was in jail for 60 days. Holy shit. In county. Wow, that's no joke. San Diego is a no joke. Yeah, yeah. What what led up to that? Uh, What got you in jail? The charge, I got me in jail. You got you in jail, fair enough. Fair good answer. Um, But the charge is uh, vandalism. Okay. Which I'd like to think is kind of punk rock. It is pretty punk rock. I attacked property. Ah, okay. And in the state of Orange County, let's say, they really, property is very dear. It's held in higher (laughs) regard than most people. Right. I knew that from Big Lebowski. Yeah. And then you played some shows to co- kind of get money to come back here. Is that true? I did. Okay, yes. I heard that and I was like, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah what kind of sh- an urgent relief fund. <laughs> uh, just, I just did a couple uh, uh, solo shows. One was a house show in Fullerton and one was a, a club um, just to get money quickly. Yeah. It worked. Yeah, that's great. I'm here. You know? Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine, like, the Jawbreaker thing went very far on the inside. Right? Like, it's not like you, like, met someone in there who's like, oh, Jawbreaker, dope. Like, I'm going to help you out now. No, no. Like, no chance. So, like, what did you... I mean, did you just keep your head down? Like, just did your thing, read books, like Tim Robbins style? or? I did keep my head down. I got my I got beaten pretty hard Shit. one time. Wow. The thing what people don't realize about jail or what I think because I learned this is that they don't tell you when you go into jail what the rules are. Right. The jail rules amongst inmates. Mm-hmm. And they should do this and I want to actually start uh, advocating on behalf of new inmates to create like a fact sheet of what you can and cannot do. Right. Cuz Jails are racially segregated very fiercely, self-segregated. Yeah. Sure. And there's all these rules about what f- things you can touch, what tables, who you can, can associate with, et cetera. And I had to learn these things by getting beaten. Wow. <laughs> because they don't tell you, and then they beat you, and then you learn. So, what, like, what's a fuck-up you did? Like, something I, that- I went in, uh, in the black shower. Oh, oh shit. Like I, like I know. I go, oh, of course. Like yes. I, this is something I wondered frame about of reference. Like, I've been have close. brought this up a lot. I have, because I've been close to getting locked up a couple times. And I'm like, I'm a Jewish dude. So, like, the second I get in there, the whites are off the table, right? Yeah, you've I'm been, not you, white in you've jail. You've asked who you like, would roll no with. No fucking way. And I'd have no crew. You'd be no white. Crew. You'd be white in jail. Even a Jewish would be, a wood. be white in jail? I think so. Would I have to fake it? Well, the choices were you. I got Hebrew on my arm. Um... I don't know. I mean, it's 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 like black, Latino, white, Asian, Arab. Everyone else is in other, right, right, which right. is the Asian kind of panoply. Gotcha. I would um, say this means like kill all Jews in Hebrew. I'd be like, yo, I went deep. <laughs> I didn't. There weren't a lot of white power dudes in the white no. sect there. No, and we, you know, everyone was very affectionate and like looked out for one another. 
Okay. In terms, it was just uh, yeah, it's it interesting. I mean, I could we could do a whole show about this. Yeah. So what was next ki- time? Get Mike Ness on. We'll talk. I wouldn't about mind <laughs> doing a whole show about this. Like, I mean, music is boring. <laughs> like, this is this Definitely. is interesting. This is actually interesting. You know. So what was your state of mind like, sort of, when you got back to New York? Were you did you? I was I was a wreck. I mean, I yeah, I was just a uh, damaged. Changed. Yeah. And how long ago was this? Two two and a half years ago. Oh wow! Hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. I, I realized this is a very long way of answering the question of like, hey, so how'd you guys decide to get back together? <laughs> I, I love this answer. The real story. I don't like I the fact that you were locked up, but I like. I mean, you said cataclysmic events. That's kind it of makes the, the triumph all that greater, right? Yeah, yeah it, it does. does. I mean, coming out in front of forty thousand people in Chicago with my parents on the stage and yeah. all our families and everything, having just. You know, gone through something like that was yeah. In was my head, profound. This, this turned in to like from a cool story to like someone's got to make a movie about this. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have fifty thousand dollars, I will make that documentary. Stipend it to Laura like literally an hour ago. Yeah, I think we could pull this off. All right, well, so I know you didn't find any jawbreaker friends in jail, but there are probably some rich jawbreaker fans kicking around who would throw 50 G's out to, For sure. to tell this story. <laughs> I actually, I think I could write a tweet right now, and by the time we're done with this, we could probably get the dough. Fundraise. I'll go fund me this shit. I don't <laughs> that wanna, sounds great. I don't want to do that, though. No. Okay. <laughs> well, that's really up to you. It's not up to me. All right, so fast, so fast forward. You, you're doing Riot Fest, and you guys are, you guys are uh, back together, rehearsing, whatever. How do you choose the... Sorry, I don't want to bore you talking about music, Benny. Uh, how, how, how did you choose the set list? Like, how did you we, come up with the songs? We cho- a little bit like what Brian was saying about Bad Religion. We we figured we owe it to anybody who's coming to like we've got to play the core, most popular songs. The only most popular songs we didn't play were ones we could not play that just didn't right. sound right. They weren't working. So like Chesterfield King, which is kind of a fan favorite, it just wasn't happening. We mm. tried couple I couldn't sing, really. Wow. They were just in too much of a high register for where I'm at mm-hmm. now. But it, basically, we picked, we just found 10 that were like, we, we got to do these. Mm-hmm. And then 10 that we knew we wanted to play really badly. And, yeah, because I don't know if I, I haven't seen you guys 25 years ago. I don't know if I ever heard Ache live. And yeah, there were a couple that work now that didn't then. I think bands all have this. You mm-hmm. just—it's strange the way your catalog will kind of become viable, and then some songs go out of—I don't know if you've had this, but something's not working. You take it out of rotation. But, and what was what was it like being back in the room? Like, what, did muscle memory kick in? Like with you guys, it was pretty—it was pretty intense for the first few practices because we were back in San Francisco. San Francisco has changed so dramatically. You know, mm-hmm. the mission is not the mission anymore. But we have these songs that were very much of the mission and the same three people. So it was emotionally kind of exhausting. We'd play for five hours and, and I was going through like a lot of reliving those stories in the songs. And, you know, that that was kind of exhausting. Then it became very fun once we started to figure them out and know that it was going to work. It was more like, hey, let's just play. Yeah. Is there any things that were like... Um sometimes when I kick back to older songs, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I don't know why I wrote that part, but it's ridiculous. And I never write it now, but are parts like that, like difficult to like get a hold of again, you know, something that you were doing out of pure excitement, maybe 20 years ago. And, 
and now you just have to try and pull it off? Yeah. I, we watched a lot of uh, YouTube videos <laughs> to learn the basic. I, I looked at tab charts online. <laughs> really? Just to, get, just to get an overview. You know. Were they pretty accurate, the tab Close charts? Enough. Yeah. Close enough. And then once I got in the, in the kind of zone, I was like, oh, I, that, but it's me, so it's going to be wrong and idiosyncratic. And, right, right. You know, I kind of, some of those weird three-fingered chords came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we found most of the things just by, through repetition and, and heat. Right. <laughs> I had heard you say at some point that, um, you know, part of the reticence for like getting Jawbreaker back together wasn't the whole political and social element behind it, but more just like the physical part. Like, like I literally just can't get on stage and execute these songs like the way they were. Is there any like what did you have to do to get ready for these shows like physically? Um, just play a lot, really. Yeah. I didn't start training Till no, I did start training a little till uh, before Riot Fest. I was in bad shape, yeah, for a while. So it's just getting the endurance. So you can see it, you know. I've lost like thirty pounds since Riot Fest. <laughs> wow, really crazy! Wow, yeah. I don't think you had it to lose. I don't think What's people it? realize the physical element of like just playing guitar and singing at the same time for an hour and a half. Yeah, that's for us. That was a deal. long set, and that yeah. we were contracted to do. You know, a, we were playing last, so we had to really. Do a show. There's so a reason that, like Mick Jagger's got a treadmill on his rider and shit. You know, we yeah. only stay at uh, places with gyms now. Oh, that's <laughs> good. for me, that's yeah. important. That's my rule. What was yeah. it like, kind of walking out there that Riot Fest show? Kind of walking out to that kind of stage. It, well, I'd been watching the stage for a long time because we were there for three days. Okay, and so, so I knew it. You know, um, but I I did stand in the wings like. There were two stages parallel, and um, and Prophets of Rage were playing right before we did, and it was a little daunting because there's such a show, and you could just see it in the next stage that there was these lights and like fireworks and guys jumping around and people flailing in the crowd. Be real, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I thought, God, you know, we're it's going to be interesting that this little like click, click, click. (laughs) <laughs> three-piece band with no lights or ideology really um but i stood my mom is a, is a longtime uh meditator and buddhist and she was on stage and there was all these people lined up and i just like sat leaned up against the wall with these uh, all these people and i looked over at my mom and she gave me the look that was like when you go into deep meditation you know, and you're on some freezing mountain or something and you get the like 2000 yard stare. Mm-hmm. And I did that and I just completely disembodied myself yeah. in preparation. Just like I have to not be here at a certain level in order to be here. Sure. And kept that for the first five songs. And then I was, then it was very fun. And I think each of us did that. Like I talked to Adam and Chris and they, everyone had their own, place they went into just to get through just to break the ice cool i mean it was it was a phenomenal show and i'm not saying that is like a a beyond fan did anybody here go to ride fest anybody anybody flew out there yeah represent hey thanks it was phenomenal it was incendiary and when i saw you in brooklyn because i went all three nights because that's me um uh thank you to my wife for uh, saying yes please go um when you, you played Jet Black at one of the shows in Brooklyn, you said, how could that not have been a hit like in 95? 
<laughs> and I, I, uh, a very good fr- uh, a friend of ours, uh, Trevor Kelly, posed this question. Um, did you, you know the book Kanye West Owes Me $300? Uh, by title? Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, you know that book? Did you read that book? I did not read that okay. book, no. Uh, it's Jonah's book, and I forgot to bring it, sorry. Uh, but it's I by didn't him. write it. It's got Jensen Carp wrote it. Yeah, but Jensen yeah. Carp wrote you it. You have my physical copy. The copy I have right. belongs to you. Okay. Yeah. We've unpacked it. It's to clear that up. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So in the book, uh, Jensen Carp, uh, it was his rapper, and right when Eminem was getting big, he got signed by Jimmy Iovine, and under the rap name of Hot Carl. Uh, I know I, what that is. John <laughs> And he said, when he, and he talks in the story about when he signed to Jimmy Iovine, he said, like, you're not going to fuck me over, are you? You're not just signing me to hold on to my record so that I'm not going to compete with uh, Eminem as, like, another, you know, white rapper kid. And Trevor had this idea of the question of, he said, you know, when Dear You came out, it came out, and I remember buying it, and I was excited. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like it wasn't being, they, they stopped pushing a lot of copies, Mm. And, and I'm not trying to go conspiracy on here, but do you think there was a conspiracy? To suppress you, the to success suppress of you, the album? Because you guys were so damn good. I'm not saying that like to you know, uh, blow smoke, but like it's such a solid record. And there were other punk bands at the time with popularity. And I don't know if that ever... What, what would be the end game of that conspiracy? <laughs> like what were uh, they... For them to sell more because they don't realize that you guys are much better. You know what I mean? Or, or to keep the competition away. Oh. Sell more records, I guess, is the end game, which at that particular time people enjoyed doing. Right. You could say no. <laughs> no I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I th- you know, I think it was just a um, kind of a heady record in a time that was about, in radio world, this still is about instant meaning and content. Right. And it was like, it's a slower burn. Kind of made sense to me. I never thought, really, I don't think any of us thought we would be this big radio band. Mm-hmm. They're kind of downer songs, and they they take a while to sink in. Was I mean, for us, it seemed hook laden. Yeah, I thought like yeah. oh, this sounds like a radio ready song. Yeah, I but so. I had a question but, about another thing uh, at the you said at the Brooklyn show. You kind of you called out Jesse Lacey at the first show, and. And I was curious. I felt like all my friends were like, Blake knows who Jesse Lacey is? I know. I felt, you know, <laughs> do, you, do you dignify that with, like, bringing up someone's name who, I don't know him. I don't know okay. their band. Yeah. I just know their. Why did you feel like it was, that was important? Because it's part it? of this, this culture that I'm associated with. Right. Mostly in the press, not in real, real life. These aren't my friends or anything. We don't. Hang out at the pop punk ranch. Sure. Uh, I think that's Brad, the, you remember the warp the pop tour, punk basically. Where is that right? ranch? <laughs> but I, no, I felt like, well, I could say something about it that it's not just in Hollywood, you know. And yeah. It's actually been pretty rapacious in in male punk music for since I began. There's always been rape allegations and shady people who glom onto scenes and kind of predate. Mm-hmm. Predate? Can you say that? Yeah. Sounds Preditate? I don't know the, oh my like God, the verb would be. I don't care if it's real. Act predacious within that community and then get shunned and move on to the next one. Um, so that was the celebrity of the moment, I guess. Right, right. Very Catholic you know? church. Yeah, I think that's cool. That's but uh, yeah. Right. I also feel like, and here I go talking again. Here I go over, 
explaining over you guys. Do it. No, you please, men with please. your podcast. Let me tell please, you something. Please. <laughs> I tried to say very nothing about the Me Too movement because all I read about is men getting in on it. Right. With their say-so. So sure. mostly I've been quiet. I understand. I thought that was an important one, though, because I think if there's anything happening, there's not people like willing to step out. And I think your general disassociation with like what had been going on in emo and punk is a good thing because a lot of people know who Jesse Lacey is and a lot of people might have something invested in that relationship and you don't give a fuck, which is good. And that guy needed to get called out and you're willing to do it. And I actually like appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And I think as I do think that there is too much of people just getting on stage and trying to explain the situation I don't think there's enough people like going head to head with it and really like calling the people out or like, you know, really getting into it. So Mm -hmm. when it happens, I don't I don't think it's a problem to to shame the people who have actually done the actions. And I don't think there's enough people doing it. So I appreciate it. Well, I'm not in the industry, really. You know, we aren't we're we're like um, made guys now. Yeah, kind of are. We're not really trying to do anything. We're just we're just playing. There's playing. We've got our. We've got our. It feels pretty good. I got to tell you, it feels good. It's not where I was two and a half years ago. I'll tell you that. You know, just another, just just another number in the joint. (laughs) Getting my ass beat by like a bunch of white dudes. Wait, I thought that's you wanted That's to another thing, too. You can only be beat by a person of your tribe, your ethnic wait, wait, tribe. Wait, all right. So, so only is, white guys could beat me up. I, and then they lovingly, they tell you afterwards. I didn't want like, to go back to this. You know why we did that, right? You're cool, bro. Really? It's like, I didn't yeah, want to go back to this, but it. since you did. So oh, you, you wanted got to circle back to this so, so bad. bad. Well, there's two things I'm interested in. I'm still interested in what happened, if you're willing to talk about it. And what you just said the actual jail politics of the fact that you apparently stumbled into the black shower but were beaten by white guys. So were you, they were told to beat you for this, like, well, for uh, so this misstep? In that instance, a representative of uh, the brothers, that's the group. Yeah. There's others, brothers, Woods, and Southside, which okay. is a... Latinos. I know that from the POD song. Those dudes were cool. Yeah. They do all the good artwork in there. Holy okay. shit. Like, kind of like. POD. Southtown. Uh, Southtown. It's all right, just keep going. All right. So, a representative from the black group went and talked to some dude in the white group and said, Your boy, like, fuck You have up, to do this. So, you need to make an example of him. And then they said, You know, it's going to hurt. This is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. <laughs> they didn't say a thing. They just took me in a cell and pounded me. Fuck. But uh, I'm um, sorry. That's how it worked. Yeah, that's crazy. And so, are you allowed to talk? You know, is vandalism charge and stuff like this? Can you talk at all about what actually happened? I trashed a car in a Motel Six in Carlsbad. Okay. Because I didn't like the way it looked. What was? The I was having the a kind of psychotic episode. Let's say that. Uh-huh. But let's to put it in perspective. Let's just think about this. I am a um, at that point was a a person of modest income in his 40s and uh, who had a a psychiatric crisis. Mm -hmm. And I'm on three years probation and did 60 years, 60 days of jail time. And just think about what is happening in this country right now, the billions of dollars that are being shifted offshore and 
these things with, you know, like no legal repercussions. I have none. Yeah. None. Mm-hmm. And I'm the, like, I'm a, a made guy. I'm like a white guy with an education. So imagine then what it is for everyone of, of color of oh. anything else. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I'm telling you what you already know, but this, I lived it for a moment and I was and I'm still living, I'm still on probation. I'm a first time offender, you know? Yeah. I messed up a car three years. I'm still a felon. It's crazy. Wow. So is this, is this an issue for you at all? Uh, traveling out of the, out of the U S it is. I can't travel internationally. Yeah. I have to get a permit for wherever I go. Right. Is that, is that on the table? Is that something that this band is talking about? Oh, we want to go abroad for sure. Who wants to be in the U.S. right now? <laughs> I mean, other than like these shows, which are fun, music events and art, you know, cultural sure. events are good, but yeah. But uh, I'm up for, um, I'm going to be uh, free in about six months. Right on. So then we'll. we'll Any more U.S. shows planning? Or? Uh, we're playing a festival in Seattle in June, upstream. I think a new one. Sure. Yeah, I saw the lineup. It was cool. There's some good. Yeah, Hot Snakes are playing. Um, Flaming Lips. Flaming Murder Lips. City Devils. Uh, oh, wow. Zola Jesus. Who I've never seen. It'll be cool. Any chance? I'm sure everyone's asked you this, but have you guys? Do you think you would ever write more stuff or what's? Yeah, we're we're. Um, that's our summer is going to just be trying to write. Awesome. Jam. Jam. You know. The way was, we used you got, to, any, like, got any riffs? Bivouac era is kind of what we're wanting to feel. for Jawbreaker? How, how had it worked in the past? And you know, I don't. I'm trying to remember. We're all trying to remember that. <laughs> we, we've talked about it because everything has been kind of remedial now. Because we have a we'll have a big show, and then we'll be like, God, we got to get tight on the right, material, right, right, the catalog. Right, sure. But the, what we really want to do is just riff out and see what comes. So I'm spending the next month writing at home. And then we're going to converge in San Francisco and, and just go in a studio and see what happens. Do you usually write like riff first, not uh, melody first? It changed over time. But I think when I said bivouac, like I think we want to, I like the more um, band-like jams gotcha. that we have. Mm-hmm. Or Jet Black or songs like that, though, that only can be a, you know, as a unit. Anyone For all else, of us, just their heartbeat a little faster? You said they're going to be writing. Like anybody else? <laughs> like I'm trying not to like freak the fuck out but I'm doing for those of you who know me and have been in the room where they said just leave Blake alone which is at least two out of the three people on this stage right now have done that with me that's um, kind that's kind <laughs> no, it's for our own uh, excitement we can't keep playing these same songs right. oh, gosh, I mean they're it's... wonderful when people have not seen it and you know we're lucky that there's all these people who want to see it, but we've need new songs to make it exciting. Sure. Do you think about like, do you have any lyrical ideas? Like, do you have a notebook you've kept of, you know, anything like that? I have tons of notebooks. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I just don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm still remembering the process. Yeah. Usually it's just a line and then, um, a guitar and then you kind of extrapolate from there. There's something super special about the three of you guys together and the way you lock in. And because, I mean, I've seen Jets, Forgetters, Joan and I saw Thorns a couple of times together and all those great songs. I enjoyed all of them. But when that crew, like, like I figure as the crowd, we can feel it. It must be insane when you feel it. Well, I went to high school with Adam, the drummer. So there's a pretty deep thing there. And we all met in we met Chris in college, which is now 
you know, 30 years ago almost. Mm. So it, having had those relationships for so long and having learned how to play music together, because we were kind of all of each other's first real band, mm. that's, I know bands have that. I guess we have that too. So it's like Weird almost- shorthand, you know, psychic kind of stuff where you're like, you want somebody to go somewhere and they're already going right. there. Right. In well, it's interesting because you knew them so young, playing with them must be like, uh, it almost like trained you as the player you are, right? You know, after you play with somebody so long, their influence eventually maybe like comes off on you and finds its way in even into your next band or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I found it really hard to be in the beginning of Jets to Brazil. I was like, I don't know what I'm, how to do this. I mean, those are two very but different I, drummers, Chris and... Yeah, for sure. It was really that band was so fun because it was all all of us were kind of discovering like it's kind of like actually getting out of a grueling relationship and then seeing someone new. Right, like I could do whatever I want with this. (laughs) (laughs) First, that kind of was the like the playfulness of Jets to Brazil in the beginning. We're like we could, I could get a wah wah pedal. <laughs> I, I could bring a Wawa pedal into the relationship. You know? I got it. Yeah, no I would interv- frown on that. I interviewed you for Alternative Press when uh, Four Corner Night came out, and it was my first interview I ever did. I was an intern there. Wow. And uh, did you I, still have the Jufro? Th- yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. And I remember. Are we calling it the Jufro? I remember. Uh, you can't. Asking you what what influenced the record, and you were like, this band will go, and they had like two records. I was like, oh, I should check this band out. Like, I didn't even, I had didn't even heard of these bands at that time. Mm. That's probably Jeremy, yeah, Chatelain, who's like very savvy too. Were those bands sort of a big influence on Jets? I mean, did you you get a lot of influences outside of punk and that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we were all just like learning to listen new new old music. because we were at that age, you know? Yeah. Is uh, Jawbreaker now, like these shows you're doing, is it the first time you've ever been on a bus? We're not on a bus. You're not still not on a bus? No. Wow. Because we only do like two shows at a time. It's great. Backdrop like that and no bus. <laughs> yeah, it comes in a I'm little uh, in a flight case. <laughs> no, it's great. We just, we fly in and then uh, practice right. for a couple of days and then And you're using, play. are you flying in your gear or are you using rental gear? We are. I mean, we rent the cabinets and everything, but we bring the guitars and... For the Heads. for the Brooklyn shows, you you take an Uber home, or how do you get home from Brooklyn? <laughs> What's no, the bands the bands and crew stayed at the Williamsburg Hotel. Okay, you know that over nice. on White. There, it's, yep. it's very quiet. I'll tell you that they have these like triple reinforced windows, which I loved. So you can't hear a thing. Um, it's party town, and the and I live here. I live in Brooklyn, but I was like, I want to stay. I want to stay with you guys, so I stayed at the hotel with them because nice. I wanted to get in on it. <laughs> sure. Uh, so we just had a rental, a minivan. We nice. drive over to the Brooklyn Steel and then back. Beautiful. A mile and a half or something. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I took, I took a train. I took the G home one day and fed my cats and like hung out with them in bed before the show. That's nice. And then went back to the Williamsburg. That's know. cozy. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. So, hey, man, uh, I guess we're all going to Seattle. So we'll see you there. Yeah. Come on out. It's great scene out there. Great it's music be scene. Awesome. Thank you so much. We couldn't yeah, think of yeah, we, we couldn't think Appreciate of a crew better, especially you, to be on our 300th episode. Yeah. Hey, congratulations! So, Going off track. Thank, yeah. thank you. 300. Thank you. Yeah. You guys are like Spartans. <laughs> I mean, Blake Schwarzenbach, everybody. Good lord. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again. That concludes our 300th episode. 
Thank you all for showing up. Thanks to Knitting Factory for having us. Uh, Brad Goop, Benny Horowitz, Jonah Bear, I'm Steven. Um, I put the podcast bills on my wife's credit card. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, We'll see you in 300.